Hello and welcome to In Lockdown With, a podcast where I, playwright Kieran Fitzgerald, chats to emerging, established and experienced artists in the fields of theatre, film, television, dance and drama, from Wales and beyond, to find out more about their careers and to see how they've been coping during the coronavirus pandemic. Expect laughs, gossip, and an insight into the careers of some of Wales's best-known creatives. If you enjoy this podcast, please like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thank you. Hello and welcome to this episode of In Lockdown With, with me, Kieran Fitzgerald. Today my guest is an actor, a musical theatre performer, and one of my, I've been friends with Amy for, for quite a long while actually. My guest is Amy Margareta. Hi Amy, how's it going? Hello Kieran, yes, things are going really well, considering all the challenges that we faced this year and uh, yes I think I think I'm doing pretty well considering <laughs> and like how have you found this this kind of period of lockdown um, I found well I think I found different lockdown one versus lockdown two versus lockdown three have all been slightly right. different for me <laughs> but yeah during lockdown I think um um the main thing for me is keeping busy. I, I absolutely love being busy and being not being able to uh, leave the house and go places I have found quite difficult, but I've managed to keep myself busy at home, in my room, <laughs> in my house uh, in London, and um, yeah, keep busy that way, learning new skills, you know, accent work, mm. um, just sharpening my craft a little bit. Um, while I've got the time to, you know, let's let's use this yeah. for personal growth if we use it for anything at all. Have you found it difficult to stay motivated or to like keep going with stuff like that? that. Yeah, I think it's been it's been up and down. Um, my flatmates have told me how uh, how they admire me for my motivation, but I think I think I'll have my my good days and my not so good days where. I, I can really connect to that motivated energy really quickly and then some days it's not so much and you feel like having a bit of a a bit more of a lazy day and I think that that's okay you you have some good days and some not so good days and I think that's that's how it goes you know I just gotta latch onto the good days and um yeah just keep that motivated definitely. energy going for as long as I can <laughs> yeah I can definitely identify with that and I think there's been like quite a lot of pressure on artists to like keep going, to keep making stuff, to keep performing during this pandemic. And I think sometimes you just need to kind of take a step back and take some time for yourself as well. Yeah, definitely. I completely agree. Um, Self-care in this time is so necessary and just checking in with you, making sure that you are okay, as well as trying to trying to stay motivated just taking a pause and checking in with you is definitely something that I do regularly 
I, I want to start where I, I always kind of start with these podcasts, and I wanted to ask you, how did you first get interested in theatre and the arts? So I think I'm very much influenced by um, my family and my mum especially. She's always loved um, the theatre. You know my mum very well. Yes. But um, yes, so my mum would always take me to the theatre when I was young. Um, I, I've known your mum for longer than you have, to be honest. So Amy's mum was my physiotherapist from when I was a baby. <laughs> oh, yeah, we've known each other. For like, but sorry, like carry on with what you were saying. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, so yeah, so she used to take me to the theatre when I was young. Um, I remember her. Well, she would tell me about my first theatre experience, which I don't actually remember. Was when I was. Um, an actual baby younger than a year year old and she went to go and see Blood Brothers I think it might have been on tour or something that year and she went to see Blood Brothers and uh, a bit of a spoiler alert there was a gunshot at the end of the show and apparently I didn't even wake up for the gunshot at the end of the show yes I was asleep sound asleep for the whole time (laughs) so that would have been my first theatre experience which is quite um, quite um, unique (laughs) what is kind of the first theatre experience that you remember Um, I think uh, The Lion King would have been my first theatre experience that I remember I remember going to see The Lion King in London and uh, getting uh, one of the Lion King tops uh, with the logo on the front and I, I absolutely love the top um, and the the show obviously the Lion King it's 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 still around now and it's um, it's still doing really well it's just iconic and for it to be one of my first theatre memories is, is just fantastic um, the, the skill and the, the talent of all the, the puppeteers and the dancers and things that definitely stuck stuck within my mind for a long time. Um, there was also other other theatre experiences I remember from when I was young. I remember seeing um, Miss Miss Saigon when I was quite young, actually, right. as well. Which which is strange to that show is quite um, complex and with you know with adult themes. So trying to understand that from a young age, I remember finding it a bit confusing, but obviously realizing what uh, what actually goes on then when I when I got a bit older. So that was interesting to learn. Um, uh, yes, I, I think it always. I always enjoyed um, going to the theatre with my mum, and any any time something would be on tour because living in South Wales, we wouldn't mm-hmm. go to London very often. But um, any time anything was on tour, we'd go and see it, and I, I would just absolutely love it. And I think that developed from there. Then of me enjoying. Uh, going to um, drama classes, going to starting my hobby, yeah. drama and starting singing, and I did uh, piano and anything musical. I was just very drawn to. Um, mm. So I think. And was it was it singing first before kind of acting and that sort of stuff? Um, I think I've always sung since I was young. Again, influenced from my mum. We all we always used to sing together, and my sister as well. We'd we'd always sing from when I was very young. But um, yeah, and I think 
So singing must have been, yeah, first and then being drawn towards uh, drama and acting classes then um, while I was in, like, primary school. Right. And, you know, like, um, Amdram's um, joining the theatre company there and just just getting any, any kind of musical theatre that I possibly could. And when did you kind of start thinking that this is what you wanted to do? As a career, I think um, I faced a really hard decision actually when um, I was finishing off my GCSEs, trying to decide because I I did drama GCSE, but I was trying to decide if I wanted to uh, pursue it um, through college and then uni. And making that decision, I think, was really difficult for me because I, I felt such a passion for musical theatre. I wanted to, I wanted so badly to do it, but I just knew how um competitive it is and how hard it is to you know initially get into a drama school and then continue and continue your career and you know get tours and west end and it's i think it's a very tough industry and i think i i took that tough decision and said i i I want to do this this is this is what i'm really passionate about and if I'm not doing something that I'm passionate about, then then what's the point? You know, you you, you want to yeah. be um, you want to get to work every day and know that you are doing something that you absolutely love, and that was really important for me to find the to find the happiness in that in that job. And uh, you went, you then kind of after being in college, you went on to. Study at Gantt, but, but then on to doing a major at Mountview. So, yeah, um, what was that like? Yeah, I think so. I went straight from college, um, straight from college to Gantt, yeah, um, which was musical theatre in college as well as doing Spanish. Um, but I went straight to Gantt and it was full on from day one. I remember starting uh, training, it was like the 1st of September. 8 a.m. till 9 till um till 5 p.m. every day you know you had to be there in early and I think that first year of training taught me absolutely tons and tons of self-discipline self-discipline and motivation and being punctual and respectful and um efficient and all of the necessities of being a, a professional performer I think that first year was fantastic in that, um, and the tutors that I had there were absolutely amazing, um, and I I owed them so much. Um, Fergus Logan and uh, Matthew Rees and Michael Morewood and Ian Nicholas, they were all there in our first year, and they were all absolutely fantastic. They knew exactly what they were doing and what they were teaching, and yeah, I think... It, I owe them so much um, because that first year really helped me develop as a as a professional performer. Um, yeah, and I, so I finished my BA then with Gamta and went on to do an MA in Mountview. And I couldn't have, I couldn't, I thought I couldn't have beaten that first year in Gamta, but Mountview just is a different world. It's. Um, did you it's so... did you always kind of want to do a masters like? Um, I didn't. I didn't initially want to do a masters. No, I was. I was considering doing my BA and then um, looking for work. But 
um, because I uh, learned over the over the three years that there were so many people that had you know trained since they were three dancers training since they were three and lots of people have been dedicating their whole lives to performing so I thought I, I want to dedicate an extra year I, I really want to go that extra bit and push myself even further than I that I thought I could go um, so that masters really did that for me and 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 I think that year completely changed me as a performer I, I became a lot more um, truthful in my acting and honest and play, still playful yeah. and Mount View definitely taught me that. They also taught me, you know, to keep an open mind and to, to never shut things off, always accept, you know, opportunities and, and well, embrace opportunities. And, um, uh, yeah, the way, the way Mount View trained um, us as a year group, the MAs, was absolutely phenomenal. And, again, the tutors in Mount View were absolutely incredible. The two course leaders there, um, Cheryl Gow and Merrin Owen, they were, they were absolute dream team, and I couldn't have wished for better. Um, it was only, it was only the end of the year where uh, coronavirus sort of cut our course short, which is so disappointing. But um, I'm still so grateful for all the time that I got to spend in the building, and uh, grateful for the tutors of how they supported us afterwards. How how did COVID affect uh, the end of your MA? So uh, basically everything was moved online. Uh, we ended up having an online showcase and um, any projects that we haven't finished yet, it was all um, changed to online, uh, which wasn't ideal obviously, but um, there, was, there was nothing else that we could have done. Um, no one was meeting up in person at that stage. We, right. were in, we were in full lockdown at that stage. So we were only allowed to leave the house for an hour every day. So. Um, yeah, the Mount View did the best that they could have done in the situation. And um, like perform, bad luck. like performing on Zoom, like what's that like as an actor? How do you find um, it? I think um, it can be quite jarring. Um, you uh, obviously you do all the prep that you would do for um, performing in person. It's all exactly the same. All the prep work, all the rehearsal, all the practice. It's all the same, but. I think um, when you've got those worries about technicalities of, oh, is my internet connection going to stay? Uh, is it going to hold? Or, oh, can they hear me correctly there? You know, certain um, um, volumes, if you're singing at certain volume, it kind of distorts all the Zoom. Yeah. And it's not ideal, but um, yeah, it's something that you, you have to adapt to. And definitely as an actor, I know that being adaptable and being flexible is definitely a massive asset and yeah just taking it all in your stride and going for it no matter what zoom or not or internet connection or not <laughs> what, what i found well from the stuff i've seen on zoom is that actors like you've got to leave like a gap before and after your line just to, does it feel a bit stilted sometimes Definitely, when we talk about pinch and ouch words, you know, when someone right. says the pinch word and, and you want to react straight away, but you don't want to cut over them because you know there's a, a delay with Zoom, so you have to take a second then react. Yeah, it's quite it's quite jarring when it comes to um, um, acting or performing with other people as well. Um, but 
again, yeah, adaptability so important. And like, what what have been the challenges for you? It might be a really like obvious question, but what have been the challenges for you starting to break through into the industry during this time of, of coronavirus? I think definitely challenges being obviously not um, not being seen in audition rooms and uh, not being seen. Um, networking in person, not being able to meet up with people that you've made connections with previously and that kind of thing, it's all transferred to online now. So although there are benefits to the online um, platform, um, you can, you know, uh, film from your home and show people what you can do from your home, but there's nothing quite like that performance that you can see in person, that live performance. Um, so yeah, I definitely say that. Not not being able to meet people, not being able to connect outside of being at home. Um, and what would I say? Yeah, so like um, obviously from home, you can still kind of do singing lessons over Zoom and, and, and work on your acting technique and things. But I think uh, dance classes I found quite difficult. Um, you know, we, we try to do some from home, but yeah. spacing can be an issue sometimes and yeah dance classes i tried to go when lockdown hasn't been on when we've been just in those middle sections of not in lockdown but um yeah dance classes i found it's, it's quite difficult especially as i i am not um i wouldn't consider myself a, a professional dancer i'm more of a, a singer actor and my dance sort of came later um in mm. my training and so that's one thing that i would be focusing on now but um but yeah dance classes you just can't you can't get in the room can you this so no. it's, it's that barrier of of coronavirus but even even i guess on zoom dance class is 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 a different kind of barrier there and that must affect your confidence and if you're like not as confident with that as acting or singing yeah definitely I think Mountview taught me loads as well with, with, with dance our dance training at the beginning of the year with doing our skills um, terms um, it was I feel like I came on leaps and bounds and I was so excited to get started into the industry and start auditioning and things and once you stop doing those dance classes then you, you just feel out of mm. touch you feel a little bit out of touch with your body and yes those dance classes can bring it back to you a little bit but when you're worried about hitting a lamp or hitting a sofa yeah it makes it more difficult to, to try and connect with with what you're uh, performing as a dancer and, and what you're connecting to there mm. um but yeah so it is a bit of a barrier yeah and you know how do you like i've been asking a few people this on the podcast but what steps do you think that we're going to have to take as an industry after COVID? And do you think, like, I was thinking, like, there must be kind of scope for for positive change in the industry once, once we're out of this. I mean, what can you see happening to our industry after COVID? Um, I, think, I think there's definitely going to be a boom of theatre people are going to want to see theatre massively. I know I am. I'm dying to see some theatre. Yeah. Um, 
and I know I'm not the only one. Um, people are going to want to come out, want to see theatre. I think it's going to be st- um, quite slow to begin with because people are still going to be nervous, you know, if they don't have the vaccine or although the vaccine is coming out very quickly, people are still going to be nervous. So there's going to be restrictions, I think, steps to, to prevent um, people getting close or um, people getting together that, that aren't allowed to or depending on the restrictions mm-hmm. at the time. But I have seen um, some certain organisations have been preparing for this and and adapting theatre spaces, ad- adapting the facilities that we already have, and some creating new facilities in order to accommodate social distancing, which is really exciting. It just makes me think, mm. wow, look at us. Our industry is incredible. We are able to look at a situation and go, look, I can adapt to this and I can make it work and it's it's just it's been amazing to see all the changes mm. people have made in order for us to still create and okay. and and have life theatre and arts. Um, also, um, oh, what was the what was the other thing? Oh yeah, the I think that positively, I think we will have a lot of varied theatre now. Um, when it comes to um, yeah like live performance versus online i think we're going to have a real mix and possibly even Mm. create some new theater forms with online in person um i i went to go and see um it was in between the first lockdown and the second lockdown i think around september time it must have been i went to go see contact um which was absolutely fantastic what Um, was that that was um so they had um, places around London where um, you could go and watch a piece of theatre, but it was uh, generally just one or two people in the piece, and you would um, bring your own wireless headphones and tune in to what the person was thinking, so you could hear what they, their thoughts were while the person was sort of acting it out. Wow. Um, and you'd, you'd follow them, so mine one I went to go see was on Clapham Common and we followed them around the common as they were thinking thoughts it was a little, there was a small group of us that we all had to stay socially distant and, and follow this, this person around the park and that was oh, it was so interesting um, I know that um, Katie Lipson was um, involved in that and, and Brona Lagen which I, I worked with them during my time at Mount View and it was, I just found it so clever it was so innovative and um, and interesting, like I've never something that I haven't experienced before. So I think there's going to be so much of that new theatre forms, new ways of mm. presenting art and presenting creative creativity. And um, I'm yeah, I'm I'm still excited for that as well as well as the live theatre, you know. Uh, and like stuff that isn't necessarily what we consider traditional theatre and on the senior arts theatre. Yeah, I think we're going to see a lot more kind of site-specific stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm all about, like, um, mixing it up and taking the traditional and turning it on its head and finding new new forms. And I think that's, yeah, I think that's really exciting. If something positive is coming out of this pandemic, it's definitely new forms and exciting forms of theatre. Definitely. Uh, it's, I, I do think it's going to be a really exciting time once we're kind of through this. Yeah, I think so. I think it's going to be a really exciting time. Um, 
I'm gonna move on slightly. I want to ask you about your process a little bit when you're kind of preparing for musical. Um, and and do you have a different process to when you're kind of preparing for a straight play? Or are they similar? Um, I would say it's very similar. Um, a character, when you're trying to learn more about a character that you're um, playing, um, I think you have to be, you have to get into such detail of, of who they are and what they are like and what their background is and how things in the past have affected them and made them who they are. And I, I tend to like to use like hot seating and um, I ask myself, lot a lot a lot a lot a lot of questions about that character and I make myself answer them um kind of what hot seating does it forces you to make a decision on the spot as to what that character is and if it's the correct decision you feel it straight away but if it's not then you learn okay maybe it's not that but it's this mm. and I think um when prepping for a musical or a straight play I think the character work has to be so you know, it has to be really in depth as to what that character really is and who they are and what they represent and and um, what they're trying to achieve. I think obviously going through all, all of the text, the whole script and everything with um, um, your actions and your uh, objectives and units and and events and what what that character wants to achieve in life in the next week what they want to achieve in that moment and I think the truth and the honesty in that is how you how you uh, play a character well how, how you give truth to them and um, some, sometimes it's 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 hard to get in touch with a character maybe that character has different values to you or you can't understand yeah. why that character would want something like that but I think you've got to find the truth in that character in order to uh, portray them in a way that's that's truthful and honest, um, but still remaining playful in the choices that you make. I think um, yeah. you definitely, as an actor, um, I'm definitely a playful person anyway, but definitely playing around with different outcomes and, and never looking for the right action or the right objective, but... Okay. Um, Playing around and trying different things to see what what feels what feels more most truthful to the character and what they want, um, and yeah, that's that's definitely something that I, I would definitely do for a, any character that I, I take on. You know, if you, if you're playing a character who maybe you, like that you don't agree with or they don't have the same value as you. How do you kind of empathise with a character like that? That's a really interesting question. Um, I think... Hmm, I think that's really hard. I think you need to... Yeah, being an open-minded actor, you need to be, be able to see... Look at it from everyone's point of view and try and find the positives in what they're what they're trying to achieve with whatever they're if, if I don't agree with it mm. look at the positives of, of what it is and then just focus on on those positives of, of what the outcome is that they want um, and 
try and forget what what your thoughts are or oh no this isn't right um just thinking yeah. about what that character thinks of this certain topic and and why they think it's good and if you just try and focus as much as you can on, on the positives and the good things then the it will come across well, you know? I suppose then, if you can kind of justify everything, like, she wants this, because if there's a reason behind it, or if you find a reason behind it, it makes that easier, maybe? Yeah, definitely. It's easier, easier, it's easier to access then, if you can find, okay, they like it, uh, they agree with it because of this, and I'm going to focus on this, because... That this is why they agree with it. This is what I'm going to focus my energy on, and um, yeah, that'll give a good, um, a good reasoning behind uh, behind whatever they're they're doing, whatever topic they're talking mm. about. Would you say that process is similar for every piece that you work on, or does it differ depending on the project? I would say it's pretty similar. Um, uh, yeah, I think I, I, I like to, I have the things that I know work for me and help me to connect with the character and help me understand the character really well. So I think uh, each actor is very different. Some actors have different processes and, and like to not do as much detailed work. Some people like to do, you know, weeks and weeks of character work. Yeah. And, and it's every every actor is different, but yeah, I like to I like to put in a lot of detail into what I'm doing, so that the character feels as truthful and as honest as possible when I'm when I'm um, playing with them. Then does it depend as well, maybe on like what director you're working with and what the director's point of view is? Yeah, some some directors um, like you to like explore other versions of the character, like. Um, maybe the, the play or the musical has been done before. Some directors like you to go and look at look watch it and make your decisions, you know, for yourself or make your decisions looking at that character, analysing that character, taking some bits away, taking a lot of it away, or it it very much depends on the director. Um but I would say, yeah, as an actor, adaptable. You gotta be adaptable hmm. and work with different directors in different ways because it's at the end of the day it's their vision you, you're embodying this character but um you need to work together as a team you and the director and um put their vision into um into reality then i'm gonna move on slightly um i want to kind of you appeared in um spring awakening and a musical called A New Brain by Bill Flynn, which, like, when I was researching both of those, they seem like maybe heavier musical pieces. Yeah. So is there an like, we, people who aren't kind of in musical theatre kind of tend to think of musical theatre as kind of light, um... But is there an additional challenge when the subject matter is a bit heavier? Um, I think, uh, as an actor, I think you need to approach anything with with um, care 
um, and, and being mm. cautious as to what the subject matter is. Yeah, uh, depending, I think all theatre, uh, regardless of its, if it's a bit, um, uh, yeah, a bit more of a heavy or sensitive subject, um, I think you should approach any piece of theatre with, with care and, and being cautious as to what you're actually portraying and what you're um, talking about. Um, whether it's light-hearted or a bit heavier or you know sensitive content um, but when you come to um, go into towards that sensitive content kind of area where there's might be triggers for some people mm. um, as an actor you need to look out for yourself but also um, if you are comfortable around certain areas then um, you need to um, again report, uh, approach it with care and respect as well for, for other people who who may have experienced certain things, um, but I suppose we have trigger warnings and things for that. Yeah. I think um, with Spring Awakening, I found um, really interesting. I, I, I used uh, um, um, the song, so I, I was playing Ilsa, which was um, the, the young girl who was sort of cast out of society a bit. Um, she was living in... Um, an artist's oh what's I can't remember the name of, of it now but it's um it was a while ago wasn't it um two years back but I can't I can't remember it was like she lived in like an artist's colony kind of thing right. they all lived in like this big house and it was all the artists was sort of like cast out of society out of like this strict society that children had to go to school and and learn a certain amount and and then leave and have a job and and the, the young girls would be housewives and it was um, a very strict society and structured and anything out of those lines was like no cast away like get them out they're not allowed into society and it was those artists who were a part of that right. and Lisa was cast out uh, because she was um, she was abused um, she was sexually abused by her uh, her father which was yeah which was um very tough to to think about and to talk about with mm. the other characters with the other actors that were in the piece um but there was one of the songs in the piece uh, i think it was called left behind and it was the song where one of the other characters had died and in order to get into a little bit um more of a truthful set in there for me i um i imagine that that song left behind was um a funeral song for someone that was very close to me, right. um, which um, which is very dangerous for some people. It can be very, um, it can be feel quite invasive um, if you take it too close to home. So definitely approaching that with caution. Um, but I learned a little bit about it and wanted to experiment, wanted to try things out. So I tried with that, and that worked really well for me in in bringing out the truth in what I was performing, um, imagining that song, every time I listen to that song now, I feel a little bit sad because it reminds me of, of a funeral song, mm. someone that's close to me. And, um, and again, yeah, approaching that with caution always because it's, it's emotions. You can't just play around with emotions willy nilly, you know? It's, yeah. It was it was a very truthful. I I felt it was a very truthful performance for me, and it was just on the edge of of um, 
of oh gosh this feels not very nice but it's okay I can control it kind of thing just on the edge there where I was able to control what what was um what was how much I was feeling um which was really interesting to play with during that that musical but um did yeah, it... I've said it so many times but just always approaching it with care and calm yeah did it take kind of time to feel, I don't know if comfortable is the right word, but like comfortable in that state? like Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think I the more I played with it, I played with it in rehearsals and then played with it more um, during the dress rehearsals and things. And I think the more I, I did it, the more comfortable I was with, you know, um, crying and feeling feeling these emotions but being able to control it so that um i wasn't i know it wasn't actually me i know it mm. wasn't actually me feeling these emotions i was just on the edge of feeling them and um and with all that practice it, it made me feel a lot more comfortable with um with accessing those emotions and being able to control how much i um not how much i feel them but just how, how truthful i am in connection mm. to those yeah. Emotions, you know, getting getting upset and crying and things. Yeah. So I'm gonna move on slightly. You also played um, Elle Woods during your time at Mountview, um, which is quite a well-known role uh, from Legally Blonde. Um, was that like an added pressure? And how much did you kind of look into like the film and previous representations of the character? Yeah, so that was that was yeah, a really interesting casting for me. I, I, I was so excited by that. Um something that I, I never would have would have thought I would have um played. Um but obviously there's I think for the film and for the musical, there is an uh, there is a slightly outdated maybe representation of a woman and being blonde and mm. being intelligent and all of those things that she was combating. But I think bringing it to um, us now in well, it was in twenty twenty, bringing it to us now we were looking at it from um, a point of view that was, um, you know, post Me Too, right. post um, feminist movements. And um, and I wanted to, we didn't do the whole musical. Um, it was because of coronavirus, we ended up cutting it short slightly. So I didn't get to do the, the full thing. But um, I think, looking at it from a point of view of now as a feminist in, in 2020 it was like I, I wanted to empower her even though she was um feeling like that she all she wanted to do her main goal was to get Warner back I I wanted to empower her as a as a feminist and, and not being led by um by a man mm. Um, which was difficult given that she wanted to get Warner back because she loved him. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, we, we talked a lot about it and um, I think 
staying, you know, staying true to the musical and, and how interesting the musical is. And, and by the end of the show, she she proves that she she did it and she is intelligent and she can do whatever she wants to do as a woman. And I think that message was uh, really important to get across, um, even if I felt like it was a bit... Um, if, if the film felt a little bit outdated for me, but I think yeah, it definitely the the message was still there. Of she is a woman and she can do whatever she wants to do mm. in this day and age, and that was yeah, that's what we really wanted to carry through. Looking at um, there was uh, Laura Bell Bundy, um, and looking at some of the, her um, choices and things, I think she was just so she was the epitome of of. Elle Woods, like she was so, she was that American bright-eyed, uh, blonde um, <laughs> young girl, and it was so. I was looking at myself like, wow, I am okay. I'm a young girl, <laughs> I have dark brown hair, <laughs> I am Welsh. <laughs> I was like, I, I need to find a way of, of relating to this character. It's, it feels like worlds apart from me. <laughs> so how how did you do that? I think it again going back to like the character development of, of you know what what is she about what what does she want what does she need in her life and um, even down to the detail of, of what she got in her pocket probably she's got a little pink handbag with with a little chihuahua in it but yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah all those details I think really um, it it speaks masses to to your your truth in the character and it all, always comes back to that. And you're talking a bit there about the representation of women in musical theatre. Do you think there's kind of more stereotypical representation of women in musicals than there is maybe in straight theatre? And do you think more needs to be done to improve that? Yeah, I think I think that's definitely the case. Um, so looking at um, um, maybe more golden era kind of musicals, so um, uh, any Oklahoma or you know um, South Pacific. I'm thinking like Rogers yeah. and Hammerstein kind of um, style F- musicals. Yeah, and then you've got like um, Guys and Dolls as well, which is again so it's so um stereotypical woman but then you've got newer musicals then that are touching on on um new kinds of relationships uh with men and women with women and women with men and men and i think um the more we the more we talk about it the better the outcome is going to be so like like um um what was the um piece I'm trying to think off the top of my head there's some um, the prom is um, fantastic for that and um, I'm trying to think of some new musicals that show this but it's so exciting to see musicals like that coming about and and being so popular with Mm. um, all kinds of you know they're so they're so popular and revolutionary and it's like we want more of that I mean more I mean, there was six that was really popular, but the one was only the eighth. So yes, it, it was, that... yeah. And um, 
Oh, some of the vocals in Six are just insane. It's so good. It's so um, amazing. But um, yeah, so exploring new musicals like that with women in powerful positions and women in um, um, different kinds of relationships. It doesn't always have to be um, heterosexual, mm. heteronormative and a, um, normal traditional theatre structure. You know, let's let's create yeah. new stuff that's, that's new and interesting and and keeps up with um, the way women have developed. You know, mm. since the time of guys and dolls, when you know they didn't really have much. <laughs> have much of a voice. Like they were always kind of love interest and nothing more than that. Do you think? We need to say kind of more female writers as well, writing musical. Because I think Definitely. more than plays, I think musical, new musicals are still largely written by men. Yes, definitely. I completely agree with you there. I think the numbers are definitely not um, in women's favour, are they? There's there's so many, obviously, we're, we're, there's, uh, we're talking about... Um, female roles in theatre and in the actual musicals, but also behind the scenes, the writers, the creatives, the directors, the producers. Um, and I think um, definitely I w we all want to see more female um, creatives and also creating the opportunities for them and giving them mm. the opportunities um, because they are out there. They are there. It's just they're not being seen, you know? And, and I, I, we all want them to be seen. It's not just me. There's a lot, there's a lot of people okay. who are um, pro-women. Not that I'm saying I'm against men. Of course I'm not. I'm pro-equality, absolutely. And I think definitely I would love to see more female creatives and writers and directors and just to create a, an equal balance of, of everyone, you know? What do you think the barriers are? Um, oh, that's an interesting question. I, I feel like it's still, it's still a case of, uh, I feel like it's still a case of a, a, a bit of sexism going on, but I, I wouldn't be able to um, make a, a, a call on it myself because I don't think I'm, I'm exposed enough to, to writers right. and, and the process that writers go through in order to get their work seen, but. I would say just giving more opportunities to minorities, like mm -hmm. not just women, but um, transgender individuals and and uh, LGBTQ plus um, individuals, and giving everyone an equal opportunity. Definitely. And I think there's there's still there's still within some areas of the industry there are still people thinking ah. Oh, I'm gonna go with maybe I'll go with the straight white male because of mm. <laughs> trying to think of a reason why. But you know, I think something needs to be said about giving equal opportunities for every single person that is out there and not swaying either way based on their identity. You know. Well, yeah, definitely. I've experienced this recently. I I've, I was told by I've said this before in the podcast. And I should say now that it's being addressed, but I was told by um, a national theatre company, um, Hume Wales, that like there aren't any disabled actors. Like they they really wanted to work with me on a play, 
they said, sorry, but there aren't any disabled actors. Like, how is that still an acceptable position? In uh, it's mind-boggling, isn't it? It just seems like we're still fighting the same fight that we were 20 years ago, Amy. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It feels, it feels like that, doesn't it? it? It's not, obviously not as intense as it was back then, but it still feels like that fight is still going on. It's just not as, um, people don't see it. They, they're not listening, you know? And like you were saying, with, in terms of giving new writers and new women writers of musicals a platform, do you think there's still that kind of financial fear of, like, what if it doesn't make any money? What if it's not successful? Do you think that's an element of it? Um, I think that, I suppose that's an element for any, any piece of theatre that goes on. And I think just because someone is a woman or is of a certain race or a certain... Uh, um, uh, you know, gender or whatever, <laughs> that um, questions like that shouldn't be more of a, an issue just because yeah. of someone's identity. It should be all treated exactly the same. You know, finances should be questioned. Obviously, they would be questioned. But regardless of someone's identity, of who they are, you know? Definitely. I completely agree with you. The last thing I want to ask you, Amy, is... What advice would you give to someone who is just starting out in the industry or like thinking about a career in the arts, especially like where we are now with COVID and everything? Um, I would say if you are choosing to uh, go into the arts, then you, uh, it goes without saying that you, you need to have a passion for it. Um, it's so difficult at the moment. It's even harder than it was before, and it was competitive as, as com- competitive before. So if you're enjoying doing online performances and things, and absolutely do it. Um, and then once we get the theatres back open, you can you can be passionate there instead of being passionate online in your bedroom. <laughs> but um, yeah, I would say your motivation. Your you've got to be motivated and determined and definitely passionate um and not being scared of working hard on your own um whether that is you're on your own in your bedroom doing your singing um technique exercises which seems to be what i'm doing most of the time, <laughs> just sitting in my room doing lots of um sirens and <laughs> and uh, um craft work but um You've got to be motivated. I think that's the main thing I would say to anyone starting out. Or, um, and if you think you can get through this, then I think you can get ab- you can get through absolutely anything. <laughs> Definitely. Oh, thank you, Amy. It's been fab talking to you. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me, Kieran. Thank you. You're more than welcome. My guest on next week's episode of In Lockdown with will be the playwright Bethan Marlowe and she'll be talking to me about her career and things like that. But until then, it's goodbye from me, it's bye from Amy, and I will see you on the next episode of In Lockdown With.
Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of In Lockdown With. The podcast is written, produced and curated by me, Kieran Fitzgerald. Thank you to all my guests for taking the time to appear on the show. If you enjoyed this episode of In Lockdown With, please consider liking or subscribing on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And I'll see you next time for another interview.